0: Hi, I'm Brian.
1: And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies,
0: a podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it.
1: Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies.
0: Well, hello, and welcome to episode 137 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here, as always, with Michaela. And Michaela, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have a play that's based on a play. Uh, sometimes you have a movie that's based on a play, that's based on a play. Uh, and that's what we're talking about today, right? This is like the inception of uh, of Broadway stuff right here. And we're talking about one of your favorites. So hopefully you're excited, everyone out there. Buckle up. It's hard to say. Michaela might go off the rails. This movie might go off the rails. I don't know. Noise is off, Michaela.
1: Noise is off. Ugh. So I uh, want to talk. I've been dreaming about talking about this film probably... I don't know, since I was four. Um, This is the very first play I ever saw. My mom, uh, mom, if you're listening, uh, this is for you. Um, The very first play I ever saw, my mom took me to a play. Uh, I don't know why she took me to this play. I was less than six years old. I was probably four or five. And I sat in the audience and all I remember is people screaming. There were sardines everywhere and a woman was in her underwear, pretty much the entire play and I could not figure it out. And I was like, everyone was laughing around me. Like, I mean, laughing till they were peeing laughing. And I could not, I could not understand why, um, because I was so young. And then, uh, many years later when I was about, I don't know when this movie came out, I saw it and was like, wow, th- I know this, I've seen this. And so I had to call my mom and she's like, absolutely. I saw this in, uh, on its way to Broadway for sure. Um, So this is a little, little gem. Uh, It is not well known. Everybody who's listening to this podcast, this episode is probably doing it as a personal favor to me. Um, If you've not seen it, you should definitely go see it. It's, it is something that is near and dear to my heart. And I think it is one of the funniest movies that has ever been made. And that's just how I'm going to feel about it, Brian.
0: All right. That is that is an early hot take coming out of the gate. Uh, So we're definitely going to need a cocktail uh, to deal with all of that. So why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll grab some sardines, you know, maybe we'll leave the sardines on the table. Maybe we'll take them with us. I don't know but we're going to grab those, grab some gin and we'll be right back to this week's cocktail.
1: So this week's cocktail comes from Edible Ottawa. Um, And it's profiling the mixologist, Andrew McDowell. Andrew, you're a genius and I don't know you, but I love you. Uh, Thanks for making a a cocktail for my favorite movie. Um, So I I have to talk to you, Brian, about this because we were trying to figure out uh, one of the biggest problems with doing this is number one, no one's seen this film. So like no one's going to listen to this episode. And number two, um, how do you make a cocktail for this film? Because (laughs) The the there are sardines that are passed through and dropped and dropped on people's heads and dropped on the floor and slipped on. That's
0: and that's true. That's true. Now, in, in fairness, um, like the entire second act of the film revolves around a gag with a bottle of J and B scotch. So I don't know, I didn't make a cocktail with J and B scotch, Michaela, but that's okay. There are a lot of sardines uh in this film, so that's important too.
1: Yeah, that's true. But this is inspired. <laughs> this is inspired. I mean, we could have maybe done some bourbon wash sardine washed bourbon instead of gin, but I know that you like gin. So this, uh, I felt was like a super inspired, it's called the gin tin tin, but it's with sardine washed, uh, gin, which sounds gross. Uh, we're going to talk about if it actually is gross, um, in, in, in the next 35 seconds.
0: That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it does sound gross. Uh, can confirm, but actually the the article is really kind of neat. Um, if you read it, we'll post a link to it uh, down in the the show comments and um, uh, you know, on the website and stuff like that. But it was it was kind of like this bartender challenge, which seemed just kind of like this fun thing that bartenders around Ottawa were doing, just challenging each other to to you know, giving them an ingredient and you know, letting them have at it. And uh, this particular uh, mixologist Andrew McDowell, was challenged to uh get some sardines into a cocktail, and this is what he came up with. Uh, so. First things first is you're going to have to infuse your gin, uh, which you did, Michaela. But it's really pretty simple, right? You take like a cup of your gin. You take just you don't actually take the actual sardine. Uh, get that out of your head. That's disgusting. Uh, but you do take a little bit of the oil from the sardine tin, uh, put that in there. And what you're doing is you're basically like fat washing uh, this gin. We've done it before with uh, popcorn uh, for Empire of Lights. Uh, we've done I think we did a butter wash uh, bourbon for uh, might have been for. Uh, Blade Runner, I think, maybe uh, something like that. I can't I can't remember for sure, but uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty familiar technique. But we obviously had never used the uh, sardine oil. So uh, you put that in there, you give it a shake, you put it in the freezer. And basically, uh, that gives it kind of time to infuse and to solidify that oil so you can strain it back out. So it just gives it a little bit of this oily essence.
1: Right. Um, And it's it's much more about the salinity of the sardine. It doesn't it's not fishy. Um, it's kind of briny, which makes sense with gin, because if you're going to do a gin martini, uh, and you're going to make it dirty, you're just going to add some olive brine into it. Right. Which is mm-hmm. uh, a piece of this as well. So, um, uh, it sounds it, like, it sounds gross. Trust me, just give it a shot. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing a whole bottle of this because if you don't like it, then you would have wasted a bottle of gin, do a cup and like an ounce, of the sardine oil, um, follow the instructions that Brian just said. And I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised.
0: And in the article, it uh, says that at this particular uh, bar that he is working at, they use gin which is um, this, you know, very... Uh, salinity forward it's like a mediterranean gin it comes from spain it's very very famous around the world it's very expensive it comes in a very beautiful bottle uh we didn't think it was worth spending the money and spending the time tracking a bottle of that down so we used the hendrix neptunia uh which is uh hendrix uh one of their like summer uh flavor riffs on a mediterranean gin which also has kind of this uh, salinity uh to it and we thought that that was going to be a pretty good uh substitution there for the for the gin mars so that's that's what we used uh feel free to use any gin that you'd like if you feel uh up to trying this for yourself
1: absolutely so you're going to take an ounce and a half of this gin that's been washed with the sardine oil okay uh you're going to add that into a shaker tin uh with some ice to half an ounce of uh some pheno sherry now the the Specific recipe calls for Tio Pepe. We couldn't find that in our area of the United States. Um, Fino Sherry just is the driest Sherry that you can get. Uh, fun fact, I learned all about Sherry trying to track this down. Um, so you're just going to use half an ounce of that. So like a cap full, not, not too much. Um, then you're going to add... A quarter of an ounce of fresh lemon juice. It's real important um, uh, to use fresh lemons and fresh citrus in all of the cocktails uh, that we talk about. Um, I am now a uh, a proponent of all things but fresh, but this is really important because you definitely want that lemon um, to cut uh, the kind of salinity, right? Mm. Um, and then you're going to add just a teaspoon or a bar spoon of olive brine. OK, you're going to put that in, shake it up real nice so it's super, 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 super cold. And then you're going to strain that into a glass um, and then you're going to add some fever tree tonic to the top of it.
0: And that's right. Yeah, you're basically uh, just building a gin and tonic kind of at that point uh, right there with your uh, the gin, the cherry uh, and the and the tonic. So, uh, yeah, I got this put together in. Uh, kind of initial impressions was, uh, I was a big fan of this. Um, obviously, you know, you think the, uh, j- the sardine washed gin is going to, I, I, I don't know, you, th- you think about it and you're like, that's, that sounds gross. I don't like this. Uh, but, but yeah, like we said, it's, it's not really like imparting any like flavor of the sardine or like this weird fishiness. It's really just kind of, uh, a little bit of salinity, which you're also getting from the olive brine. You're also getting from the particular gin, uh, that we used or that they used, um, But really that oil washing of it gives it kind of this more like velvety mouthfeel that you don't get in just a standard gin and tonic, uh, which I thought was really, really kind of neat. And I like that a lot. I liked the addition of the olive brine. Uh, We're big fans of the dirty martini uh, here at Drink the Movies. So this was kind of like a... Dirty gin and tonic, uh, which was which was pretty nice. The sherry gave it a really nice uh, kind of body and a little bit of uh, extra oomph that you don't get just with your um, you know regular straight you know gin and tonic. You know it gave it a little bit uh, more of a backbone there, and uh, this was this was pretty good. Um, now I will say, if you didn't want to mess around with it doing the the washing the gin with the sardine oil Uh, you could probably get in the same ballpark. If you just put a drop or two of olive oil into your shaker tin and shook that up a lot of cocktails. Now you're seeing an addition of olive oil uh, by a, a drop or two just to kind of change the way that the mouthfeel works the way that it coats your tongue uh stuff like that so you could probably do that and get a close approximation if you don't want to mess around with the sardines michaela is uh lucky or unlucky enough uh, depending on how you look at it to have a spouse who is a big fan of eating those sardines after uh, we made this cocktail um you might not be a fan of that so maybe you don't want to even bother with that so try the olive oil trick uh and let us know what you think but uh i was a fan michaela what did you think about this one
1: I really liked it um I'm a big fan of a dirty martini as you know um this is perfect uh if you like a like a slightly dirty martini this is perfect for you um because again the the really the only thing that I noticed I, I, it was a little bit more selinic but it's the mouth feel that really gets you with the um the fat washing it's just kind of, like you said, it's super smooth and the way that it kind of coats your tongue, it's not as clean a finish. Um, it, it stays with you a little bit longer, um, which I like because I like the taste of gin and I like the taste of martini. So, um, Mm -hmm. the effervescence with the tonic is kind of neat too, because on one hand you have this like umptious feeling in your mouth, but then you've got the bubbles. uh, of the tonic um i do not recommend uh someone has already asked me if uh if i recommend a, a flavored uh tonic with this i do not i think a, just a fever tree tonic is the way to go i really like um if you were gonna pick one they have like a an indian tonic and then they have a mm-hmm. mediterranean um i'd probably go with the mediterranean one but i would not do like any of yeah. the the fun like, like elderflower like elderflower or the, or... Cucumber citrusy or, or, don't do right. any of that it will yep. ruin, it'll throw this whole thing off even though we add some lemon juice in there i would not add like a lemon flavored um so someone so you've been warned um do what you want with that information but i thought this was really inspired because again um it's something very different we could have totally made a cocktail or found a cocktail that would have worked with JB. um But really, the challenge is how in the world would we make a good cocktail, something that tastes good, that's that's also very, uh, very cool uh, to the eye and pleasing um, with sardines. And so, I, I mean, again, hats off to Andrew McDowell because he did it and it's amazing. And and I'm so glad I'm here for it. I'm here all day.
0: But yeah, hats off to Andrew McDowell. This one was delicious. So uh, give this a try or let us know what you think about it. Or let us know if you think that we are insane people for uh, making a sardine cocktail, uh, because that is uh, highly possible, too. But, you know, for now, Michaela, we've got uh, you mixed this up. So we have enough for one more of these gin and tonics. So let's go grab that. Uh, We'll see if we can figure out what we're supposed to do with the sardine uh, gin uh, as we go through this film, you know, just like uh, Carol Burnett's having to do. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about this week's film. Noises off. Spoiler
1: warning for Noises Off. Who am I kidding? No one's seen this film but you and me in the last five years, Brian. But look, listen, honestly, people of all, if you've not seen this film, don't listen to this because we're going to mess it up and you're going to think it's not a great movie. Um, (laughs) You already probably think that we don't know what we're doing with the cocktail. So- just press pause, go watch the movie. It's, it's not streaming anywhere. You're going to have to buy it. And if you hate it, I'll pay for it. Okay. Send me a message. I guarantee you're going to at least laugh one time, at least one time. Um, and, uh, and then you can make yourself a, you know, sardine oil wash gin tintin. Uh, you will like that as well. And then you can come back and we can chat about all the things noises off.
0: That's, that's right. Those are uh, those are some bold statements uh, to be made for sure. Absolutely. So this was released in 1992 uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich and it stars a bunch of people. Michaela Michael Caine is our showrunner. Lloyd Fellows and uh, it stars a whole slew of other people. Carol Burnett, Denholm Elliott, John Ritter, Christopher Reeve, Nicolette Sheridan, Marilou Henner, Julie Haggerty and Mark Lynn Baker uh, are all in this thing. They are putting on a play to end all plays on its way to Broadway uh, as these things tend to work uh and you you bring up a very good point no one saw this michaela this uh this had a budget of 12 million million dollars it made two million dollars uh i think it opening weekend i think it was like 30th uh which is which is not great not great uh, but it is based on a play the play is very well beloved for sure uh people were like mm, i don't know if that's going to uh, adapt to the big screen that well um even uh, michael frayne who wrote the uh, original uh play um uh, kind of had kind of had the same thoughts, but he was there to to oversee it and thought that they did a pretty good job. Uh, wasn't a fan of the the ending, but we're going to get to that uh, when we get to that. So, uh, Michaela. Uh, I spent uh, $3.49 on this film. Uh so I'm already I'm ticking away I'm you know chopping away back at that 12, $12 million dollar uh budget. I am I'm am paying it back. Uh, and I yeah. thought that it was kind of interesting. Uh this was produced by Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy, uh who produced the film we talked about last week and produced the film we talked about the week before. Uh it stars Denholm Elliott, uh, who you might, might know. Uh, you definitely don't know him as Selzden uh Mowbray, uh from this film, but you probably know him as Uh, Marcus Brody from Indiana Jones, which we've uh, talked about here the last couple of weeks, too. So I thought that that was fun. Like, it's like this uh, expanded universe. So drink the movies we've got coming with noises off.
1: That's right. Uh, So it's a star-studded cast. I mean, honestly, uh, it's amazing how many uh, talented people were put together. And it's very much like a play because there's only about 10 characters. Um, And, you know, when we see a movie that came from a play... Um, usually we can tell that something is, seems a little off. Um, Now, obviously we could tell that this is a play um, because of the subject matter. But one of the things that I think sets this so far apart from some of the other movies that were plays before is that this, um, the camera work actually follows the actors. And I don't, it's so interesting to me because the, in an interview that Michael Frayn did, he said, "I I was totally for making a movie with this, but I had no idea how they could really do it um, because we have the front of the house and then we have the back of the house, and there's all these things that happen uh, in the back on on the backstage of a play that we don't see as the audience, and how do we show that? Um, well, I don't know how they." showed it in a play because I would have thought that that would have been more difficult than showing it in a movie where you can follow people around and have certain scenes um and and have your point of view shift versus in a play your point of view stays the same and so um I thought this was super brilliantly done um in in that way to show those pieces in a way that that if you watch the play which I totally recommend everybody doing it's hilarious um you don't get the same you don't get the same look and feel. It's a little bit different just because of the fact that you're sitting in an audience and you're stagnant where you are versus in the movie, you get to go all these places.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, this story, it's um, it's basically a, a telling of this play. It's called uh, Nothing On, which is uh, kind of... A- advertised as this like is this like sexy like romp of a, a farce play now if you don't know what a farce is it's basically a type of play or uh story it's it's a comedy where basically just there's a ton of just crazy uh exuberance exaggerated things uh happening uh it is a you know it's a very classic style of play going you know all the way back as far as plays go it's harder to pull off on a film i think it works better in plays because you can see all of the action uh because you're just seeing the the entire width of the play so how is that going to translate to uh the well the big screen uh to the small screen i guess you know watching it on your on your tv or your movie theater uh and that's that's really hard to capture but they did a good job of that i think and you mentioned michaela how do you how do you see the stuff that's going on you know you know, on, on the stage that we're seeing as the audience and the stuff that we're seeing backstage, how do, how do we see all that stuff at the same time? Um, and the way that they do it here, I've not ever seen the play, but I think it's probably the way they do it in the play as well, uh, is you show your dress rehearsal in Des Moines, Iowa, you show your backstage in Miami and you show kind of the final, uh, Exaggerated, exuberant product. Um, in Cleveland, uh, go Cleveland, Cleveland rocks. So let's uh, start out in Des Moines. We are there. We are with uh, uh Michael Kane's character, uh, Lloyd Fellows. He is the director, uh, the brains behind this play that we've got going on. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Nothing on. Uh, Nothing and on. We're introduced to the cast. So we've got uh, Carol Burnett is coming out. She's playing uh, Dottie Otley, uh, Mrs. Clackett. Uh, her character there. She's coming out carrying a plate of sardines answering the phone uh there is a lot of uh talking going on uh but we're getting this getting this thing started so let's talk about des moines and kind of this dress rehearsal section right
1: well first of all it's a dress rehearsal because uh the (laughs) it's 1 a.m the night
0: before (laughs) it's 1
1: a.m the night that they're opening uh that seems pretty that seems that seems pretty par for the course i don't know how many uh play productions you've been in but most of the ones that i've been in are a complete disaster um and that's one of the things that it makes this so great is that you um you know they they miss the tech rehearsal um so you know they're getting used to the set for the first time they don't know where anything is they don't know where what's going on um you have carol Burnett as this person who's um she's like a legend and she's got money in the show and this is like her last big um hurrah before she retires um You've got her friend, uh, Selzden, who's played by the amazing Denholm Elliott. He is hilarious as this burglar character. Um, he's also got like a severe like drinking problem. Everybody's trying to keep him away from everything. Um, and he's got, you know, sometimes he can hear and sometimes he can't. It's great physical like uh, farce comedy. Um, John Ritter is, uh, he's a uh, he's, he's Gary Lejeune. Um, he plays this guy who is, um, coming to look at this house, um, and, and have it rented out. Um, and all of this is supposed to take place in England, which is really funny because you've got all these American actors who then have to, except for Temple like and then have to turn on these English accents and try and, uh, you know, carry that off while they get really mad or really hurt or fall downstairs or throw sardines everywhere. Um, one of my favorite characters is uh Mary Lou Henner. She plays um this girl named Valinda. Um she is so happy and she reminds me of like every like there's always a mother hen kind of character in a in a in a theater company that wants everyone to get along and wants everyone to like each other and she calls everyone dear and honey and precious and love and um it's while they're trying to put together this dress rehearsal she's like trying to make everybody feel good and make everybody you know uh, feel like they're part of something um and uh she's always the one who's talking lloyd fellows down who's the director who's absolutely losing his mind he has about six valiums uh trying to get this um dress rehearsal just over the first act i don't know how many acts are there in nothing on we never find out we never actually get there um but we go through the first act i don't know six times and. He's just like, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. It's just doors and sardines. It's, it's, we'll, we'll get the sardines on and get the sardines off. It's life. It's going to be fine. And um, yeah, it's
0: great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very crazy. So you have, you have Carol Burnett there. Um, Yeah. you have a, uh, Denholm Elliot, he's playing this burglar he keeps kind of coming in I really like they're uh they're like <laughs> he's like half drunk he keeps coming in they have to like reassure him like every time uh with what he's doing and they're like you come back you're not on for 20 more pages go take a nap you're not on for 10 more pages go take a nap you're not on for five more pages oh you're on now where where are you and I like he comes in and, like breaks the window and opens opens the window that's pretty great so you have a uh, John Ritter's character is is there with his uh lady friend uh Vicky played by Nicolette Sheridan uh they're there for some sort of like romantic uh uh, tryst kind of a thing at this house that he's looking at, um, which is only to be broken up because uh, they're not expecting uh, Mrs. Crockett to be there and they're not expecting the next guests to be coming in uh, who are uh, played by, uh, you know, Marilou Henner, as you'd mentioned, and Christopher Reeve, uh, who's playing, I guess, uh, is kind of the the owner of this house, I think yes. but they're supposed to be in Spain. Uh, it's it's this whole thing. So all of these people are all in the house. None of them are supposed to be in the house and they're all trying to hide the fact that they're in the house uh, from each other. So you get a lot of, um, you know, kind of this comedic bit where they're going in and out of doors, uh, you know, trying to get in, into, you know, trying to go in the wrong door where people are in and, you know, leaving stuff behind. Um, and it, it's just a very wacky uh, kind of complicated Uh, thing to be seeing it's very complicated to be showing on tv i mean um, and that's that's why i said like this stuff kind of works better as a play because you can see all of these components going on at once whereas a movie you know you're having to you know follow around christopher reeve because he's superman and you have to uh you know make sure that you're uh, highlighting what he's doing in the scene uh he's probably the highlights of this first section for me um christopher reeve is really fun um uh, because he's very uh, i don't know he's Uh, He's very committed to the craft of acting, um, whereas Michael Caine is like, uh, just read what it says. I I don't care. Uh, Do you want me? I'll make up this backstory real quick for you uh, if you want to have that. But, you know, he's Superman. He's very kind of, um, you know, indecisive on some of these things. He's he's afraid of blood because he gets a nosebleed, which is funny because, uh, again, he's Superman. Um, And it's just all this wackiness uh, goes on, uh, which leaves Nicolette Sheridan in her underwear for most of the film uh, going on right the rest of the time
1: that yeah and nicholas sheridan's character brooke not she's she's kind of the token kind of myopic beauty um she's not very smart she doesn't listen a lot um uh she loses a contact i don't know six times and then everybody has to stop production and of course michael kane's character is like we're not going to do this in the middle of the play are we <laughs> like what happens if she does and they're like "Yeah, she'll just keep going And she's like well i can't see and um and there's a couple times where she can't see and she like falls over the, the couch because she doesn't see it, even though it's right in front of her. Um, and of course, we have a, a st- we have a stage hand played by the amazing Mark Lynn Baker. His name's Tim. And they're like, where is Tim? There's Tim. God says, Tim, go be fruitful and multiply and fix the doors. And because this is, again, uh, their dress rehearsal, but it's kind of like the technical rehearsal, too, because nothing is working um, because Mm. the set was put up wrong. Now, no one realized that the set was put up wrong because everybody in this play is having affairs with everybody else in this play so like lloyd fellows who's the director is having an affair with poppy who's the stage manager but he's also having a sneaky little affair with nicolette sheridan Brooke ashton right and that's a love triangle that finds itself uh in bed with a giant cactus um that's, in the butt r- a couple of right. times for michael kane deservedly yeah. so
0: That's right, T.A. The the Michael Caine, uh, Julie Haggerty, Nicolette Sheridan uh, love triangle is not one that I ever knew that I needed. But I did need Carol Burnett and John Ritter uh, being in a love triangle. That's not even a love triangle with Lou Henner. That one was pretty funny, I thought. Uh, Meanwhile, you have John Ritter, who's just kind of going through the motions and keeps getting entangled in all these uh, out of nowhere, uh, which is really fun. And then you have Denholm Elliott, who just keeps uh, coming in uh, half asleep, half drunk all the time. Uh, This first part of the film is absolutely crazy. Uh, One of the things that I really liked about this first section is that uh, you obviously you'll keep getting uh, Lloyd Fellows. uh, The director is going to keep calling uh, cut. And, you know, as all of this uh, craziness ensues and they're trying to figure out the placement for all of these things. um, And every time it shows him, he's in a different part of the theater. I thought that that was really funny. um, And I thought that that was that was pretty great. But uh, they finally make it to the end of act one on this uh, say can you just read can you just read the last line we're two lines away from ending act one we want to go get some coffee we want to take a nap because it's 1 a.m the show opens tomorrow can you please read it they read the line uh, that is it and then we're on our way Uh, we should say before we get to Des Moines right uh, it starts on opening night on Broadway it's a little bit of a spoiler that that's where uh the show is going to get to immediately and you see uh lloyd fellow is trying to like sneak out of the theater because he doesn't want to be there when it bombs so uh that's pretty fun too so uh des moines i guess goes off without much of a hitch uh apparently uh and, and- now it is on its national tour right so you get a little uh montage of all of the places uh that they're going you know uh exotic destinations like wisconsin and indiana and stuff like that but Batica. eventually They make their way to Miami. Uh, and this is this is the best part of the film. Uh, no doubt, hands down, it's because we're seeing now uh the same exact thing that you just saw uh in Des Moines, except now we're seeing it from backstage.
1: That's right. Um and there's so many bits. I mean, I could quote this whole film uh because I've watched it about a billion times, but there's so many bits that are so great. So Julie Haggerty. I love her so much. She and Martin Baker, they're the stage hand and the stage manager, right? And they're trying to keep this company together because now um, Michael Caine, he's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be in New York rehearsing Hamlet because I guess that's what directors do. They don't follow the play. They go and continue on with their lives. But apparently his little, you know, um, run in with Nicolette Sheridan's character, uh, Brooks called him and said, I'm unhappy. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to stop this because I don't have I don't have time to rehearse another Brook. I need to, you know, come and show up and give her some whiskey and some flowers and hang out with her in a room for two hours. And I guess she thinks that's going to make everything OK. Probably not the smartest guy, Lloyd. But he shows up and he's like, I'm not here. I'm just going to sit in the audience and I'm just going to watch. Well, what happens? is that Carol Burnett's character and John Ritter's character, they get in this big fight, um, like a lover's quarrel, like a couple of days before John Ritter and Christopher Reeves um, don't like each other. John Ritter is incredibly jealous. And a thing about Gary's character is he can't, he can't actually articulate a thought on his own. Um, It's amazing because he's like, you know, and well, you know, and you know, um, and it's so funny because, John Ritter's comedic timing is absolutely perfect. Now I know that this is a movie and they could have rehearsed it and taken 75 takes, but I prefer to think of this as more like a stage and that he just was amazing every time the first time, because he's so brilliant and the timing of the way in which he says the words that were on the script are absolutely perfect. Um, And so this, this, matinee showing uh, starts with the curtain calls. And if you've ever been in a play, right? Somebody usually comes up and says, ladies and gentlemen, will you please take your seats? The curtains will rise in five minutes. Well, they say five minutes, then they say one minute, then they say five minutes, then they say two minutes, then they say three minutes. And finally, Michael Caine has had too much volume. And he can't take more. He goes backstage and he's like, what is going on? You're going to kill somebody. Like, this is a matinee. There are old people. They're getting up and getting down and getting up. They're going to have a heart attack. And then they're like, what's going on? Nobody's on stage. They think someone's died. It's 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes have passed and we were supposed to be started. What's going on? And they're having big drama back there because nobody is getting along
0: absolutely they are having big drama because no one is getting along you have uh uh the burglar then home elliot uh Selsden. uh he keeps taking the bottle of scotch uh which is supposed to be something that he does uh in the actual play but he keeps just like sneaking off with it to uh go get drunk i guess in the back alley of this uh playhouse which is great um yeah you have all the lovers quarrels and my my favorite kind of bit about this then is that because this is backstage everyone's supposed to be quiet um it's basically like a silent film kind of at this point, right? Uh, you're seeing, you know, the very much exaggerated, uh, acting, uh, and you're seeing, you know, people like mouth things at each other, but they're not actually being able to talk because they have to be quiet because they're backstage of this play. Uh, so it's very, uh, very much like choreographed, uh, which is, which is really pretty great. Uh, you know, things take a, a pretty dark turn, uh, John Ritter uh, ends up uh, grabbing grabbing some sort of like fireman's axe. He's <laughs> at his he's at his end, which gets passed around from people to people. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty nutty. But I I did really like kind of the, the choreography of this section. And I think that I liked it better because it was a little bit tighter uh, than kind of showing the full uh, stage. Right. You're just seeing kind of the smaller. Uh, bit backstage, and you're seeing people, you know, ha- hearing their cues and have to go out, you know, kind of in the middle of these fights and things, which which is really pretty funny and really uh, comedic, and and the sense of the way that it's that it's timed and kind of the the physicality of of what's going on between all these people is they keep having to having to run out and get, uh, you know, Selzden uh, go out to grab the uh, the bottle of JMB, go out and uh, grab these uh, flowers and plates of sardines, and they have everything kind of kind of laid out, and they're like throwing the stuff around back and forth to each other as they're trying to kind of pull off this play uh in the midst of this you know knockdown drag out kind of lovers quarrel brawl you know it went from like a a lover's uh you know <laughs> some some sort of like a lovers like like three-way like <laughs> love affair sort of thing to now it's like the whole cast is somehow entangled, uh, in this, uh, in this, uh, lover's quarrel. So I don't know. It's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty great. Um, and that is uh kind of this Miami section, um, here in this matinee, I guess it goes off okay enough though, because uh, we're getting to go and see kind of the, the final stop, I guess. I think even, uh, Lloyd says something to the effect of, you know, everything was, was going, going great. And then there was, cleveland it's <laughs> really funny as uh someone from ohio that's that's what i think about cleveland too no shade <laughs> at people uh from from cleveland it's a lovely, lovely place rock and roll hall of fame there you go
1: there you go well things are rocking and rolling on this stage i'll tell you that um things have gone from bad to worse right so uh newsflash so poppy's pregnant um You know, uh, John Ritter and Carol Burnett's characters absolutely hate each other. Now, Carol Burnett and Mary Lou Henner's character are mad because Mary Lou Henner is obviously infatuated with Christopher Reeve. And they see it and it's just, it's all out pandemonium. And so the the show opens with a ringing phone. And the phone rings for about 30 seconds when... Uh, Dottie comes out on stage and actually gets kicked out on stage and she usually does this really funny monologue um, that is like, you know, I'm not here and I'm not supposed to be here. I'm just here for the color TV and no one's supposed to be here. And, you know, my the owners of the house are in Spain and she kind of sets this whole thing up. But what she ends up doing is saying, you know, everybody's trying to kill me. (laughs) Somebody help (laughs) this. We've been on this. We've only been on the road three months. And, um, and it, 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 as a theater person, it totally resonates, uh, with me because in every time you have a show that goes more than, you know, two or three, two or three shows. Right. Um, now, I've never been on one that, that did three months, but like there is a there is a shift. There are things that happen backstage that end up bring are brought out one way or another, kind of like osmosis into the show. And so it's hilarious how now everybody that is supposed to be friendly on the on on stage can't stand each other. And so they find ways to sabotage each other in, in really dangerous ways like they type they tie shoelaces and they fall downstairs and finally what john ritter ends up at the bottom of the stairs for like the second time and they're like she's (laughs) finally killed him what's going on and michael cain is watching again but he stays away until the very last of the very end of the first act when no one again can find selston and he comes out and then, of course, Selzden hears his cue again. And so we end up with two burglars on stage that are going through the same lines and everyone is just freaking out. Poppy is th- literally throws the script backstage because no one is saying the right things. Everybody has missed cues. It's absolutely uh, it's really hard to kind of explain but it's quite funny, in my opinion, because finally they look at Michael Caine's character and they're like, what do we do? <laughs> We're wh- What do we do? We're all on stage. We're not supposed to be on stage. We're not supposed to know. I mean, the whole premise behind this play is that they they're going in and out of doors and things, but they all miss each other somehow. And so they mm-hmm. don't know that, you know there's anybody other than Mrs. Clackett and whoever they're there with, uh, to have like a a cheeky afternoon together. And yet they're all together. Um, there's like eight people on the stage, by the way, there's an Arab sheik that shows up that actually wants to rent the house. And because there's only like six people in this company, it's always, um, like to, uh, Tim who's the stagehand who kind of comes in and acts like he's a sheik um and it's like this really funny joke that's supposed to happen at the very end of the first act they all end up there the the sheik ends up being uh like th- there's two sheiks now poppy comes in as the sheik and they're all wearing these sheets um it, it is definitely zany and crazy and and a bit lo- lots of camp but it's it's really funny and the, the, the curtain doesn't go down correctly either, and so it's just a hot mess.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a recurring theme, the, uh, the curtain uh, never quite goes down. It goes like halfway down and then it stops and then it starts to go back up. It's kind of like your garage door. Uh if you ink is <laughs> something in front of that sensor. That's kind of how this uh this curtain's working. But yeah, the, the last section here is absolutely insane. Uh as you said they're all trying to they're kind of sabotaging each other. They're kind of self sabotaging. I guess if you wanted to get a little bit analytical on on the story, you could say that they're they're trying to do that because they're they're done playing these parts. They're done being together. But I don't I don't think there's uh any uh analyzing what's going on here. It is just absolute uh pandemonium from start to finish, which which is uh, which is good, which is really fun, um, and it's fun to see kind of the the progression of this thing that starts out as going poorly just continue to get more and more poorly going uh, and i know that that is uh that is not good grammar there on my part but that's okay um that is all right uh so eventually you know we make it we make it through the show in cleveland and uh, the people in cleveland seem to seem to like it maybe they thought that it was fun that it was uh so haphazard so uh nonsensical and uh crazy and zany and all that stuff because uh the crew here for Nothing on is on their way to Broadway. So we are basically back at the uh, front of our story now. You know, nice little uh, circular storytelling here. We are there. Uh, Lloyd is, uh, you know, like I said, trying to avoid seeing this. Uh, He doesn't want to be any part of this. He knows that this thing is going to going to tank. He has watched this thing go from bad to worse. But we're on to our final performance. Uh, And lo and behold, the crew comes together, puts on one good show to standing ovations Good job. Good job. Cast and crew of Nothing On.
1: Yeah. But that's how it is I think in the theater is you, you know, you end up getting in arguments with people. You know, you've got a bunch of people, I mean, actors by definition, they're they they can be very attention seeking. They love most actors actually, especially stage actors really love attention. Um they they have to be quick on their feet. They have to be able to improvise. Um and it's hard when you get those many that many strong personalities together anywhere, right? I mean, we we we've seen <laughs> we've seen this in corporate America. People act just as uh, badly. They just don't have a stage to to kind of do it on. They do it in a in a in a boardroom instead. So, um I think one of the things that makes that that was interesting about this ending is that we don't see what happens the last 3 months because the whole the whole point of this was we started in Des Moines. We had three months to Cleveland, and then we had another three months before they showed up in Broadway, uh, at Broadway. And we don't know what ex- exactly happens in those three months until we see the very end of the play uh, in Broadway. And so, you know, the poor, poor Lloyd is, he, he walks in at the beginning and he's like, no, I can't watch. It's going to be horrible. And they're like, is there a problem with your seat, sir? And he's like, yeah, it's facing the stage. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't see it. And so he goes through this whole fear that it's going to be a disaster like it had been. But at the end, everybody seems to pull together. Everybody kind of uh, puts their differences aside and puts um, the play on. And it's this amazing ride that you can't get off and it works and if you've been in a theater production or you've watched an amazing theater production where everybody is growing in the same direction it's this um it's 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 this wonderful feeling of a dream come true and he lloyd finally comes back in right at the end of the first act and everything worked the stage worked they set all their lines they're still alive no one's dead at the bottom of the stairs the phone is where it's supposed to be and of course the sardines are exactly what 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 they're supposed to be as well and so you have this coming together and so of course Lloyd goes in the backstage and he wants to congratulate everybody and we find out that you know everybody's kind of switched partners <laughs> which mm-hmm. also happens I think pretty often in the theater world right so Cara Burnett no longer with John Ritter now she's with Den Homelia which is probably a, a a better choice um uh Christopher Reeve and Mary Lou Henner finally are together um which we all called that from the very beginning um and Nicola Sheridan you know she is real pretty and she's got clothes on at the end which is nice and she's with John Ritter which is great because they can both not talk to each other it's wonderful um and then Poppy and Lloyd end up getting married because Poppy is very pregnant at the end of this, and it all all's well that ends well.
0: <laughs> all as well uh, that ends well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, that kind of is the is the story, the story of of noises uh, off, <laughs> noises on. Uh, this this uh, fictional play that they're uh, putting on there, um, it is uh, just absolutely uh insane yeah uh, it's insane um it's uh kind of a neat look at uh the production of a play um and, and you made mention to it um, Michaela that's why you know live theater and, and musicals and operas and things are so you know beloved obviously and you know still still going on right there's there's no reason to have plays in a world of movie theaters and being able to watch Netflix on your phone um except that there's something very magical about, you know, a cast of real life people in front of you, you know, coming together to tell you the story and entertain you. It's, it's something that's very, um, will like will like entrance you and and enchant you and make you think about things in a certain way. And certainly it can be, you know, very inspirational and very emotional to see, you know, real life people uh, telling these stories to you. And, um, you know, as you and I are big fans of, you know, musical theater and plays and and stuff like that, that's, you know, very important to us. So uh, movies like this, I think are really interesting that kind of, you know, obviously this is, this is this farce. It's this big nonsensical bits, but, you know, it shines some lights on, you know, kind of the production, uh, side of something like that you know it's it's why we like movies about making movies right it's why we like you know the Fablemans it's why we uh, like the sound of music it's you know and it's why you know people like uh, Noises Off did they like it enough to go to the movie theater and see it nope uh, <laughs> did they like it did not. Uh, well enough well enough to uh, have this turn into some sort of beloved classic uh, yeah absolutely because this thing uh, like I said it didn't make any money it got like crushed uh, raked over the coals by the critics yeah. Uh, yeah. but if you go to like Rotten Tomatoes it has like an 84% uh, user rating, uh, which is really a pretty high, pretty high, um, I will say. And for some people like yourself, Michaela, this is one of their all time favorites.
1: It is um, this when people ask me what my favorite movie is, it's always hard for me to answer. When people ask me what my favorite comedy is, I say noises off every time Uh, I have seen this film. I don't know how many times I could probably quote the entire film to you. I will not do that. I will refrain. However, um, I still laugh. I, I know what's going to happen and I still laugh. And I think that that uh, in a movie, you can't ask for much more than that as an actor to do something that if people even know they're going to see it again and again, they still find it funny. Um, you know, it was hard. I I think you're correct in that, you know, Siskel and Ever gave this film two thumbs down. Most people were like, this just didn't work. It didn't work as a movie. And I totally disagree Um I thought that the heart of it is is still very much there. I think it was a challenge for sure. And uh, I definitely think if you think the movie is interesting, go see the play because the play is amazing. I, I was able to see it as an adult um, and really finally understand why someone was naked uh, or half naked throughout the whole thing and not as a four-year-old. My, I, parenting choices, I don't understand. Um, but uh, I think this film it really captures the heart and soul of what it's like to be in a theatrical production that's on the road and not only personally what can happen because you end up getting you know being very emotional um and getting emotionally involved with your cast in a in a different way than than maybe any other profession ever um but also the pressure to have this line between reality and fantasy and being able to, um, do that well and create a world that's, uh, uh, and a little bit of magic for people and, and figure out a way to do that while you're having your own kind of backstage life. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm waxing on, but I, I, I'm, this show is so endearing to me and I just love it. And, I think the cast is brilliant. I can't imagine they better never redo this film because I can't imagine anybody doing it better. Um, this was actually Denholm Elliott's last film before his uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before his passing. And um, you know, I think that he would would should be, should have been very proud of it because you're right, it's it's not <laughs> it, these are these weren't iconic roles, but they were to me when I saw it when it came out. Um I don't know. I think anybody who loves theater would, would at least be able to appreciate this, if not truly think that it's a delight.
0: Well, there you go. Absolutely. So I saw this the first time uh, 12 hours ago. I know that's what you're uh, getting ready to ask me there, Michaela. What what did I think about the film? Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So I watched this about 12 hours ago. It is a lot to take in. Um, I, I'd mentioned, I, I think that stories like this work better on the stage than they do in films. Um, and to that end, I think that this movie works really good as kind of an addendum to if you've seen the play if you've seen the play then you probably can really latch on to this story um i've never seen the play so i don't have kind of that grounding uh, for the characters uh but all of the characters here have this really kind of great uh charisma about them which is really entertaining um you know this came out in 92 which is from our childhood so you know a lot of these these uh actors and actresses are you know really important or at least you know played some kind of uh role in our you know movie and television watching uh experience growing up right uh you know carol burnett john ritter uh christopher reeve uh Mary Lou henner uh you know all of all of those people you know were, were very important to um you know at I don't want to speak for for you, but at least myself, you know, kind of growing up with with these uh, actors and actresses and and the roles that they played. So it was neat from that stance to see them all come together and how well they could uh, play off of each other and how great of, you know, performers they really were. Christopher Reeve, I thought, was excellent. I mean, you only really know him um, from Superman, which is, you know, not the not the uh, deepest depths of acting. So it was neat to see him in something uh, else, right, where where he's being challenged and he's being, you know, completely like the polar opposite of uh, Clark Kent uh, kind of a figure here, which, which I thought was uh, really pretty neat. Um, kind of the, the gags are pretty fun. Um, kind of the, the jokes are fun. It's fun every time Michael Caine yells cut and they have to go up and uh, he just starts arguing uh, with all of these actors. Um, I really like there's one particular bit where uh, Denholm Elliot uh, is coming in. He's robbing the house. He's like pouring a drink and completely missing the glass. And then he goes over to this TV and he's like, Uh, Yeah, he goes over to the TV and he's like, ah, microwave. and He picks it up and carries it off. I thought that that was uh, hilarious uh, because obviously it was not a microwave. Um, So so there's just a bunch of like little stuff like that. And then I really, really liked kind of the backstage section uh, there in Miami where you're seeing it kind of play out as like the silent uh, film, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, You know, kind of slapstick bit I thought was was really neat and really well choreographed. And uh, I had to have taken just forever to get this thing laid out for these uh, actors and actresses to hit their marks and hit their cues and uh, to make it, uh, you know, what we're seeing does not make sense but you know, it has to make sense to these actors and actresses to be able to pull it off to make it not make sense. Right. There's, there's a lot of planning to have something as crazy going on. And I thought that that was really fun. So uh, yeah, that is uh noises off in a nutshell. Uh, I would, I would recommend give it, a, give it a watch, especially. Yeah. Like Michaela is saying, if you're a fan of, of the theater, go, go check it out. It's, it's worth $3 and 50 cents to rent from Amazon or Apple or wherever you're going to pick it up. Uh, I don't know. Michaela probably has like the 4k steel book of this or something. Uh, I do. Her favorite, favorite comedy of all time. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, so there you go. Any, any closing thoughts, Michaela, you've wanted to talk about noises off for a long time. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily like uh, putting it off, putting it off. It just kind of worked the way what the schedule was working. And we, we finally got to it. So any, any closing thoughts here, um... on noises off? your favorites, your favorites of comedies.
1: Yeah, I I would just say uh gosh. Um yeah, we we put this off for a bu- a bunch of reasons, right? I mean, here at Drink the Movies, we we want to pick films that people have seen. <laughs> um we want to pick films that people actually know what we're talking about. Um and this because it did so poorly, uh, you know, I I think I've only met two people matt Sewa, i'm looking at you dude um there's only two people uh myself and and my friend matt who saw this and knew it when kind of just conversationally talking about it most people have never heard of this film and that's one of the reasons why we we i was very hesitant to do it and it's because it's so endearing to me um and people are gonna see it and, and may take the siskel and ebert take on it and think that it's awful right um but I hope I hope you all listeners, you give it a shot. Um, if you've not seen it, it you know, I wouldn't say it's not that it's not for kids. There's a, there's there's no you know, there's a lot of language. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a family film by any stretch, but I do think it's really funny and I think it's worth your time. Um, yeah. And that's it. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is I've never good. met anything. I, it's, it's some, you know, I don't know. As John Ritter would say in this film,
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Straight from ten-year-old uh, Michaela's uh, lips to uh, to God's ear. There, uh, go check this one out, uh, and. I don't know. Let us know what you think about it for sure, because uh, it is a wild, crazy romp that I think you're either going to really like or uh, really be concerned uh, about us here at Drink the Movies. So uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about the uh, sardine uh, tintin gin and tonic. That was uh, an excellent drink to accompany uh, this film. Uh, I had no idea what the sardines had to do with it until about 12 hours ago when I started watching the movie. But uh, yeah, I think that this was a really inspired cocktail and a really delicious one. So give that a try. Let us know what you think about it. Send us pictures. You can do that on all the social medias it's at to drink the movies on instagram and twitter and uh, what is that called now? Uh, threads. We're on threads now, uh, at drink the movies. Uh, so check us out there, facebook.com slash drink the movies. Uh, you can go to the website see the pictures of our cocktails, uh, episode recaps, all of that stuff. It's www.drinkthemovies.com. If you want to check out more podcast stuff, we've got bonus episodes, bonus content, all sorts of stuff like that, uh, over on our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash drink the movies. It's a really good way to support the podcast. And we appreciate anyone who takes the time to go check that out. Um, Um, And you want to make sure that you get uh, subscribed to the podcast. You know, if you're if you're a fan of Noises Off, uh, good to listen to this. If you're a fan of the big blockbuster, we got that coming your way too next week is Mission Impossible. So uh, check that out. You're going to want to make sure you're subscribed uh, to to follow along for Tom Cruise Adventures. Uh, Michaela, where can they do that?
1: You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, anywhere that supports Spotify podcasts. And um, if you're liking what you're hearing, <laughs> I'm amazed and I love you if, you if you're at the end of this episode. Um, but you should uh, press the subscribe button. We do two drops a week. Um, if you're really liking what you're hearing, you can support us on our Patreon. Uh, Brian just talked about that. Um If you leave us a five star review, tell your friends, we would really love that because we are just knocked out by um, being able to create a community or help create a community that brings cocktails and movies together. And you can you can help by doing those things. So thank you so much.
0: That's right. Absolutely. So uh, that is Noises Off. And I got to I got to tell you, it was uh, it was a whirlwind adventure. I need to take a break. I need like a cold washcloth for my head uh, after uh, watching that and uh, talking about that. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to go grab another one of these Gin Tintins because that sounds like a good idea. That's excellent. And then I'm going to have to rest up to watch Tom Cruise, whatever Tom Cruise is going to do for the next two hours and 45 minutes killing me uh but that is that so noises off michaela we talked about it we came we laughed we cried uh we drank gin so uh i don't know let's uh let's wrap it up there and we'll talk to everyone next time on drink drink the movies movies
1: i'm starting to know what god felt like when he sat there in the darkness creating the world and what did he feel like lloyd my dear (laughs) very pleased that he'd taken his value
0: there you go good thing about uh this episode is. It doesn't have to make any sense because the movie doesn't make any sense.
1: The movie is amazing.